the first thing that hit me was the oxymoron of the sound of silence. I had never experienced that absolute absence of sound before. And it struck me. Hmm. The temperature was like indoor temperature was like 73 degrees. It wasn't a breath of wind. And the lake was like a sheet of glass. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Pursuit. Welcome back. Great to have you. I'm so excited about our guest today, Howard Falkwell. I've gotten to know him a little bit just briefly uh, through his book, first of all. And I'm so excited to be talking about that and some of the concepts there. But then we've had a couple conversations ourselves as well. And let me introduce you to Howard, first of all. Howard Falkwell, he's an author, spiritual teacher, mental performance coach. I know he works with a lot of uh, athletes, professional athletes, college athletes. Also works, I think he worked with a lot of business people too, CEOs, corporate people, that kind of stuff as well, right? And, um, and, you know, one of, one of the reasons why I was so excited to get Howard on the show is I know he went through his own awakening uh, of sorts, which we'll talk a bunch about, and you need to get a copy of his book. I am, I'm excited to read your other one, by the way, I haven't read that one yet. Um, but, uh, Hey, so happy to have you. Thanks for being with us and really looking forward to spending some time together today. Yeah. Same here. Thanks for having me on Ben. It's awesome. Yeah. So why don't we start? Because I think you have such a, a fascinating story. And I find that stories are such a great way to connect with everybody. Why don't you just share with us a little bit about your story prior to that moment in the early 2000s, and then maybe a little bit after? Sure. So um, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version, and then you can you can ask any question you want on it because it, it can tend sure. to be long. So I'm going to condense it. Okay. Um, the short story is when I was 14... I grew up in Chicago. When I was 14, my uncle and aunt took me on a fishing trip to northern Minnesota, very remote lake, close to the Canadian border. Um, I had never been far away from the Chicago city lights. We drove 10 hours to get there. We pulled up to our cabin, which was out of a movie, this rustic old cabin right on the edge of the lake with a boat dock. Hmm. And it was dusk and everybody went unpack and go to sleep. And at 14, I wanted to check out the surroundings a little bit. So I unpacked, walked out the door and walked to the end of the dark and just stared into the pitch blackness. Mm. The first thing that hit me was the oxymoron of the sound of silence. I had never experienced that absolute absence of sound before. And it struck me. Mm. The temperature was like indoor temperature was like 73 degrees. It wasn't a breath of wind. And the lake was like a sheet of glass. As I looked across the lake, and stared out into it, I started to see what looked like light shining up from one area of the lake. And as I looked closer, I saw hundreds of them. And then I looked in another area of the lake and there were hundreds there. And, and as soon as I looked across the whole lake, they were shining from every part of the surface of the water. And for a second, I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up. And in that moment, my life changed. I saw more stars in the sky than I had ever seen in my life before. And obviously that was what was reflecting off the lake. Right. I saw the Milky Way stretching across the night sky. It blew me away, literally blew my mind. Hmm. And in that moment at 14, thousands of existential questions or hundreds of existential questions about life, purpose, meaning were sparked. At 14. Over, oh. At 14, yeah. Hmm. Over the course of the next... Uh, well, it would be a 20-year journey ultimately to the point out when I was 35 when I had my peak experience. But over the course of that 20 years, I was searching like everybody does for what happiness is and what you're supposed to do in life and Mm. what, quote, 
the American dream is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my parents had a tumultuous marriage, uh, eventually getting divorced. So um, I saw a lot of the issues there having to do with immaturity and, and, and money. And so I, I decided that wasn't going to be me. I, I left when I was 18 to go to school out in Arizona, Arizona State. I, I put myself through school, check, got a job, check, uh, um, fell in love, got married, check, had two kids, check, started to make money. I went into the financial business because I, you know, I figured that was the major problem in life. I was going to get my arms around that. Right. Um, so got a job in the financial business, started my career, bought a home. It just everything was 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 clicking off the list like it should, except for one thing. That burning sense of desire for these questions to be answered and that sense of peace that I was ultimately striving for wasn't coming. Hmm. And I started to get more nervous the more I checked off the list because I'm thinking if I'm not happy now, when am I ever going to be happy? And then I thought, okay, well, I've checked off all these things, but there's this last thing hanging on there that says millions and millions of dollars. That's what, that's what the dream is. That'll make you happy. Mm-hmm. And one day I was walking through my home and basically it just hit me over the head like a ton of bricks because I was already dealing with so many extremely wealthy people who weren't happy mm-hmm. that that was not the answer. Ultimately, not, not saying it's bad. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't see anything wrong with money at all. Yeah. Um, it's about the intent and what you, what you do with it. But, but when that last piece of the puzzle was taken away from me, from it, as far as an answer was concerned, mm-hmm. a fear overcame me that I never experienced before in my life about what was the answer? What was I going to do? Like, I didn't know. And that was the moment that I truly been through my hands up and said to life, the universe, whatever your idea of God is, hey, I can't go on another day. I've been working my tail off. I've worked my whole life to get to this point. And now what I thought I was striving for to make me happy isn't the answer. So what is it I need to know? And I threw my hands up in a sense of yearning that I'd never experienced before. And then I let it go. To condense this story even more, two weeks later, I was in a financial seminar for trading the psychology of trading markets. I had read a book by a guy that was fascinating and, and went to saw a seminar that he gave. And he was talking about how you're creating the whole trade. You're creating the decision you make, how much money, what the investment vehicle is, how long you're in it, when you pull the trigger in, when you pull the trigger out. And it just hit me in this little small seminar at this resort that I was doing that for every situation in my entire life, not just the financial markets. Mm. And all of a sudden I got this overwhelming feeling that what I was searching for on the outside was really about a perception and reaction on the inside. Mm. And for just a moment, I had this brief sense of relief because I knew the answer was in me. I didn't know yet how to get my arms around it, but I knew it was in within me. Mm. The second thing that happened that blew my mind was I had asked this deep question a couple weeks ago and I immediately connected the dots that in this seminar, having to deal with finance, I was being answered. And then it hit me. Wow, this is how life works. It's not some voice from the sky, although it can come in a feeling or an understanding or an idea, but it's in our day-to-day that life tries to feed us the answers to the questions that we're seeking answers to. And as soon as I realized that, I was like a child with this wonder-like awe going into every day, like, okay, 
where's the, you know, I'd started firing off a whole bunch of new questions. And then I went in with to, to life with this presence and said, where's the answer going to come from? And then six months later, I had what I call the grand event, which was time was sort of collapsing between question and answer over that six months. I would ask a question, then a comment from a stranger, you know, 30 minutes later would remarkably answer the question or a license plate or a, a line in a movie or a, or, a, or a lyric in a song I'd heard thousands of times before mm. sur- suddenly made sense. Mm. And I was like, wow, this is fascinating. Life is just pouring this into me. Anyway, I had this moment uh, that was like a simultaneous awareness where what was unknown all of a sudden became known in this bolt of lightning moment that took me to a place of humility and awe and, and just a deep sense of gratitude that is almost unspeakable. And that's when I made the life change. I left my job and I knew that I was going to honor this work for the rest of my life. It was so much information, so broad, so deep, so amazing that I knew I was going to honor it. And the only question I had is the last piece of this short story, right? (laughs) Is um, what got me to the insight was humility, being humble. Immediately when this information and this awareness covered me, I thought, who the heck am I hmm. to go out and speak and teach this? Like what, what I, I'm just some dude in Scottsdale with a family coach and club baseball. Like what, what, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm no one special. So I asked the question, which was how I learned to do it. And the, the answer came back in sort of a feeling or an understanding, um, and it was almost like a chuckle, like, you know, hey, Howie, you don't have to worry about feeling special because the information isn't for anyone special. It's for everyone. Mm. And as soon as I heard that, it was like a green light that I could go write, teach, speak, and I never had to worry about it again. Wow. So that, Ben, is the short story, and I'm happy to answer any questions. That's, that's amazing. That's so amazing. Yeah. So your... I think what's kind of interesting too, because it really wasn't, you didn't really have a religious background per se very much. Is that correct? Very light. Yeah. Very, very light and never connected really to the, never understood. I, I always wanted to know the spiritual essence and it was all just about doing things. You have to do this and do this and do this and right. then you're, you're okay. Yeah. And would you say, obviously you were asking some great questions to again, God, the universe, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Right. You're asking great questions, but w- were you seeking kind of that? Were you studying spiritual texts at all? Or was that a part of your? So this is what's really fun about this is that, no, I had never sought out spirituality. I, all I did was keep an open mind. Hmm. Like I never put a box around G-O-D. I never said, oh, this is what this is. I just kept it open. Right. Hey, one day I would understand more about, you know, and when I looked at the stars, it was like, I mean, how can you not look at that above our heads every day and have wonder? Yeah. about the depth and the vast and the infiniteness, infiniteness of that. Yeah. And so I just kept an open mind and said, you know, I'm open and a very inquisitive mind wanting always to know more about those answers, you know, and, and being open to receiving um, that information and, and being very, again, open-minded, not judging too many people, not judging religions, not judging people, you know, just observing mm-hmm. and, and waiting till something really resonated as truth within me. 
Because you know what your body is a divining rod of truth. You know when something feels like truth. Your hair stands up on your arms. You get goosebumps. You feel it in your gut. It's not coming from your head when you when you experience truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and what do you think on the note of truth too? What do you think some of those early on into this awakening is what I would call it? But early on to that, what were some of the very clear truths to you now? Truths to you now. You want me to drop the big nuggets, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the whole dedication of everything I came to understand are in both of my books, I Am and Time in a Bottle. Like it's poured into there, it poured out of me. But I will give you the big nuggets. Yeah. Life is eternal. Hmm. There's no such thing as death. Hmm. It's a transition. Does not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the reasons why there's no really solid uh, conclusion on the origins of the universe is because there's an assumption in the question, you know, of origin. And that's a hard one for the mind to get itself around, right? That there isn't an origin, right? Like that it's, that there's no beginning and end. So that can get really heady and kind of, you know, your mind wiggles a little bit on the thought, but, but anyways, that, that, um, I mean, these are big platitudes. So just know that when I say these and, and they require a really the work of self-awareness underneath them to really embrace them. But uh, there's no death. Life, life is eternal. Mm. Love is all there is. Mm. There's nothing other than love. Um, um, all fear and um, uh, any sense of limitation or lack of self-worth or self-belief uh, is a lie. Hmm. And it's designed for boundary because the ego craves boundary. Hmm. So we're looking constantly to know where we exist because infinity means can mean dissolution to the self. So uh, uh, the ego craves the boundary and that includes limitation and fear in order to have that boundary. So that's another uh, big nugget. Um, I mean, again, these are big platitudes that I, I hesitate to, to yeah. give out, but I'm going yeah. to because... Yeah but that it requires more work underneath it. You are the creator of the entire experience. Mm. Everything from this moment is being created by you. Now there's some inertia behind you based on previous thoughts, choices, and actions and how you've resonated and cultivated your reality and the people in it. So there's inertia that's providing experiences going forward, but you have the, the, the wheel right now to begin to direct that in a different way. And I mean, in this moment, you can change everything. That's how exciting it is. One of my favorite quotes that I, I, I announce before I speak or do a speech or talk anywhere is, if you knew how powerful you really are, you'd never stop smiling. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's just so hopeful. So those are some of the, those are some of the um, big ones. Um, yeah. You know, not knowing is knowing, meaning that... Um, when you say, I don't know, you create space. Hmm. And that's the humility piece. And that allows the universe to fill the void because the, the universe abhors a vacuum. It likes to fill it immediately. And the only way that you can be in a good receptive mode is to be in a place of humility to say, I'm open and I'm ready to receive information. And, and even if it challenges what I believe, I think that's a real key to opening the channel to wisdom. So incredible. But, yeah. yeah. I, um, there's a lot I want to talk about <laughs> in, in, in that stuff. And, and I know we had originally connected because I had gone through my own, you know, my own awakening. And then mm-hmm. I 
had I'd heard of you, but I'd never actually read any of your stuff or anything. And, but I heard it through a friend and then I had my own weekend and it was fascinating to hear what you just said was this life is eternal. That was one of the things I realized in that was, and I, at that point in my life, I came to, there was no worry of death or fear of death or anything because you realize mm-hmm. there is death. Right. Um, it just, and then of course I read your book and it was just, wow. <laughs> um, and it seems like to me, it seems like when you start to open up, when you start to, to seek, and, and be open that the answers start to come more. I'm curious why why do you think why do you think most people maybe aren't getting the answers they're seeking? Is it they're they're not asking or what, what do you think? Yeah. Oh no, millions ask. Hmm. A lot of people ask, but you have to combine that with the sense of readiness because it's going to change your constitution. You know, it's going to change your soul. It's going to change who you are because you live in a world where you have these beliefs. And you feel like that is what you've been able to survive in. What if you let that belief go? Who are you going to be if that little piece of you, that one little belief gets let go? Hmm. So people can be very protective over their identity. And what I've discovered over the last 20 years doing this is even if it creates incredible suffering, at least the suffering is known. So that's why some people are actually, I don't want to say addicted to the suffering, but it's part of their identity. So you really have to be tired enough of the way things have been Hmm. and exhausted enough to truly humble yourself. And that's why... Um, in AA, they say you have to hit, uh, I guess, rock bottom, right? You know, you have to actually reach that point where you're ready to receive something new and change who you are. So egos can be very protective. Um, but when you start to trust life more hmm. and you start to open up more and you realize that, you know, we all know this quote, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Yeah. When you, when you, when you finally trust Let's just go real time. Hmm. A moment like this. Hmm. Okay. So here you are doing this podcast. A lot of these people are, are in the financial markets, correct? Yeah, yeah, a bunch. Yeah. Of okay. So, and here this this conversation gets dropped in. For some people, it's going to be like being hit over the head. Like, mm-hmm. holy cow. For mm-hmm. others, it's going to be like, oh, that was kind of cool. And for others, that they won't pay any attention to it. But right. the point is, there's no coincidence that this is coming in. And I offer that because I think when you're looking to trust life more, mm. look at this moment. Like, I'm not saying you have to believe everything I'm saying or I'm, my answers are the end or be all, mm-hmm. but it, this is a part of life delivering something to you. You know, it's not, sure. a, not random. Yeah. So when you start to trust that more, you start to open up and you start to listen more. And I think that sort of greases the wheel yeah. to begin to expand and change. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one last thing, when you do this, it's like planting a seed. So don't expect to pick a whole bunch of fruit tomorrow because right. you just decided to take on new beliefs today. Yeah. There's a process to this and that requires faith. Yeah. And you have to keep being this new version because it's who you want to be. Yeah. And it's what you're, what you, who you feel you are in order to eventually receive back the, and I can't, I have goosebumps before I even say the words, the abundance mm of joyful, unbelievable new things that will, I mean, it will shock you. Yeah. So it's a really important moment to do this. Yeah. I I love the way you put it of just trusting life more because I feel like for everybody listening, whatever your current beliefs are around life, you know, for some people, it could be a very religious experience where you've got a specific God that, that you believe in. And that's, you know, completely fine. Could be someone that maybe, maybe you're more on the, you're not really sure what to believe, but all of us are a part of life, whatever you want to call it. 
right? You want to call it universe, energy, whatever it might be, trusting life more. And then going back to this idea that, that you are the creator of your entire experience. I've been reading, studying manifestation books, working with the law of attraction, spirituality, these kind of things for a decade plus. And logically, I believe up until about two and a half months ago, logically, I believe that I was the creator of my experience. But then when you get to that knowing, right, that, that real deep understanding is so powerful. And so I want you to talk about how are, am I the creator of my experience and, and okay. how, yeah. So first let's define what that means because people say, well, how do I create what's happening in the world? And, and mm -hmm. what's, that's not what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about is how you perceive, process, and respond. That is your experience. Mm. So yeah, you, you, you know, if there's a tragedy in the world, which, you know, there seems to be one every day, mm, you know, sure. you didn't create that, but you're creating how you respond and react and feel about it based on your perception of it and your judgment of it or how you see it. Mm. Um, and this is not to lack empathy for anything that's going on in the world, because obviously there's a lot of, you know, but there's also a lot of beautiful things that are happening in the world every single day. Of course, they just don't make the news cycle, right? Absolutely. The millions and millions of beautiful things that happen every day. Um, but how you're creating it, this is, okay. Um, life is only responding to one thing and one thing only. And that is your truth. It's not who you think you are. It's not what you want. It's not, you know, what you feel like you're doing. It's what you truly believe. That is what life is responding to. And oftentimes there's a disconnect. Someone says they want to make a bunch of money, but is there a constitution in what they believe about themselves hmm. and all their beliefs surrounding money or surrounding um, themselves? Having, you know, is that aligned with that intention fully? Mm -hmm. Now, Keep in mind that we work sort of against three things that solidify that identity or that truth or our soul. I call it our soul because our souls are constantly expanding. Our identity is constantly expanding. Our mm -hmm. truth is constantly expanding. They're the same word to me. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's constantly expanding, but we're working against what has been set up to this moment. And those are three components. They are your DNA, which is your genetics from all the previous generations going past, all the socialization skills, the fears, reactions, food tastes, smells, what attracts you, what, what is attractive to you, what isn't. All that stuff is related to your heritage and your DNA, which is in your body. Mm -hmm. uh, number two is your, your nurturing. Mm -hmm. And then number three is your personal experience. Mm -hmm. So those three things layer that identity and that truth. So when you go about changing it, just know that not only do you have to look at an experience from your past differently and go, wow, that girl, that guy made a bad comment towards me. And I've always thought I was bad or whatever because of that. And that left a traumatic mark in me that has set me on my path. And I've always operated out of that idea. Now I know that's not the truth. I can reframe that. It's never been the truth. I know I'm beautiful. I know I'm good. I know I'm a nice person. So that has no effect or impact on me. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. Same thing with nurturing. Your parents embedded something in you. I'm sure well-meaning parents, some not well-meaning. It depends on, on the situation. Mm -hmm. um, but you can learn, hey, 
that doesn't have to affect my life anymore. I can be my own individual with my own ideas about life and what's possible. One of the things my dad always told me when I was a kid was takes money to make money. You know, that was his rationalization for not having it. I never believed it. Yeah. Never. Yeah. I thought there's gotta be one person that started with nothing that became something. So, um, but anyway, so it just didn't have an effect on me. So that's, that's part two. Now, the one I want people to be more aware of than any of the others is the insidiousness I didn't say insidiousness, but the sneakiness of the DNA. Okay. Especially as we get older. You know how when you get older, people say, oh, you're, you're acting more and more like your father or your mother. Sure. Yeah. Because those genes are working to express themselves based on previous generations. Right. So you have to be more conscious of who you want to be in order to counteract them and actually change that DNA. Yeah. And that's, there's a whole field called epigenetics that's, yeah. that's, is all about this. So the point I'm trying to make is when you are trying to create your reality, keep in mind that your intention has to be aligned with what you believe. And if it isn't, you have to discover where there is a thought that's counter to it and how to adjust it to where it's authentic. The new belief is authentic and believable. And sometimes we don't even know why we act or say things. We don't remember anything happening. That's coming from DNA. So you have to be even, you have to outsmart your DNA in order to actually real time change it. And that takes extreme mindfulness and very conscious individual every day. And that could be writing down your a mantra every day, mm-hmm. looking at a list, support, mm-hmm. being supported by information like you're putting out or that I put out but constantly feeding your mind with the new belief until it's authentically believed. And that, I don't, you know, that can be a little bit of work or it can be a lot of work, but there's work involved in that because you're trying to evolve. Yeah. So, so, so you asked the question, how do we create our reality? We do it through a new authentic knowing and belief about who we are. And then the validation every day by demonstrating that. One other thing I want to tell you about this, the minute that you do this, life in its infinite perfection is going to immediately test you. Mm. So there's, there's the old saying, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. You're going to be tested right away. Mm. Okay. You want a better marriage? Here's the biggest thing that just popped up in your marriage. That's going to threaten and challenge you. Are you ready for that? Mm. Cause it's going to come to the surface right away. You said you wanted it. It's got to come to the surface so you can acknowledge it. Business-wise, same thing, financially, spiritually. So just be prepared that life will serve you in a one-to-one ratio with what you want when you're ready. So be prepared. And I always tell people like in the, with the athletes that I work with, when they say, this is what I want to achieve, I said, okay, get ready. Because life's going to test you to see where your skill and where your talent is immediately on that. And what I want you to do is instead of getting pissed and upset and, and angry about it, I want you to look at it for what it is, which is an unbelievable opportunity to turn to life and say, okay, I know what you're doing. This isn't going to stop me. Hmm. Thank you for the information. I'm ready to absorb it, understand, learn, and move on. Interesting. Interesting. See, I would, I would think with that too, is that, uh, and I've had those times in my life too, but I I feel like, do you think that it's possible to get to a point where you're maybe you've made some shifts in your life. You're ready to go to a new level. And make, is it possible to advance without the test? 
Oh, yeah. It, it, well, again, it depends on what's necessary for your awareness. Life's trying to give you awareness. So the right. test is for awareness. But right. if you gain that awareness on your own, right. you know, then you don't have the karma or test, whatever, yeah. same thing. Yeah. You yeah. don't have that to deal with because you've, you've, that's why I say stay humble, you know, right. because the minute you lose your humility, you're going you're gonna to cease, uh, you know, trying to avoid. And that's the whole, actually, that, Ben, that's the point of all my work is to help people to tell them they don't have to suffer to evolve. Right. You know, yeah. you can do it through direct awareness, yeah. which is how, you know, how I experienced it. I'm not saying that I haven't had tests in my life. I've had plenty of tests I'm, in my I'm life. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. But I now understand them in such a way that the curve, if, if we were looking at a chart, a graph, instead of it going, you know, with this huge amplitude and, yeah. and, and, you know, now it's like small dip, nice high, yeah. tiny dip, small high, because yeah. I understand, I know I, as much as I can. I'm not saying I know everything because I don't, yeah. but I'm prepared. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I, I feel like with what you're saying, I think it's to your point is life always gives you what you need. And that could very well be, hey, it could be this obstacle in terms of an opportunity to grow and grow in our awareness. It could be a book that I think we receive, right? You know, I read your book right after that. It's exactly what I needed in that moment, right? That was the next exactly. step for my raising awareness. And that's so good. Um, can you talk about, and everybody, we're not going to cover all the details in, in Howard's book, obviously, or his work, but but just the idea of I am, you know, I, I had had, when I went through my own awakening, I realized that for me, the big questions that needed to be asked really simply were nothing more than who do I want to be? How do I want to live? What do I want my life experience to be? And to me, that's where I spent, you know, this next little while just focusing. I was always goal-driven, always motivated that way. And I think a lot of people listening are. They design their goals. They got their vision statements. They use affirmations. Um, but I also feel like for a lot of people, we get stuck sometimes in not progressing maybe at the speed that we think that we should or having life unfold the way that we think it should. So anyways, what I'm getting at is this idea of, can you really talk about the idea of creating your reality moment to moment and just the power of I am? I know it's a big book. We can't condense the whole book in the mm -hmm. next two minutes, but can you talk a bit about yeah. that? Yeah. So um, the book is not an overnight read. No. And it's on purpose because you have to, really read and contemplate each chapter, each page and what it, what it's really presenting to you because, and you have to be ready for the change. So the idea of I am the full title is I am the power of discovering who you really are mm -hmm. is to start at the core being energy and matter and show how the principles of energy and matter mm -hmm. are connected to intention mm -hmm. And that is as simple as a plant or, you know, moving it from one side of the windowsill to the other, you're going to see the intent of the plant. The intent of the plant is to survive. Hmm. How do you know that? Because when you move it from one side to the other, it flips the way it bends so that it can absorb more sunlight. Mm -hmm. So that is the consciousness of the plant in order for the plant to survive. How does the rock survive? Well, take your hands and try and break one apart. You can't do it until you get a piece of heavy machinery that breaks the threshold of that tolerance of how those molecules and atoms are spinning to keep that rock as it is. You're not going to break it. Mm. You know, you try and I don't know. I don't do this, but you try and chase an animal. It's going to catch an animal. It's going to run. Why? Because it's survival. So life 
energy and matter are based, you know, how it comes together is based on intention. And when, for human beings, our intention is demonstrated in our attention. Can you expand on that? What you give your attention to is based on your intention. If you give your attention to life's dramas, your intention is to mire yourself in life's dramas and convince yourself that the world sucks. Hmm. If your attention is on the goodness in life, your what is your intention showing? That you're looking to experience the goodness in life. That's your truth and you're going to experience more of it. Can't tell you. I mean, I, having worked with thousands of people, I see this all the time, the contrast between someone with a negative or dark mindset, not yeah. their fault, just their yeah. upbringing, DNA, yeah. personal yeah. experience, whatever yeah. they've gone through is, but, and then someone with a better, and they're walking down the street. And this is my analogy. You got two people walking down the street, one in a positive mindset, one in a negative. So people are bumping into the negative person, cars are honking, a dog comes up and barks and growls. And the person right next to them, people are smiling, saying hi, cat comes up and sort of nuzzles itself up against the person's leg. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. a different experience because life is meeting that person's I am statement mm -hmm. at the core in a perfection, just like it's meeting the negative person's. Mm. So everything around you is resonating magnetically. You could call this, I mean, the law of attraction has been so yeah. abused the word, but, yeah. but that's really what it is at its essence. Yeah. It's not what you say, you know, you can't sit there and say a mantra a hundred times and oh, that's the law of attraction. That's not it. Hmm. There are some deeper mechanics to how you see who you are. That's really it. Hmm. But until you get there, until you get there with the love and respect for who you are and you see a sense of your own perfection, you see that you've done the best you can in every single moment. Hmm. You know, it's, I'm not saying it's optimal, but it's what you had at each moment. You hmm. forgive yourself. You you, you make a determination to respect and honor yourself more and to, to, you know, until you do that, life has to match you with who you say you are because I, which is identity, mm. has to become am, which is experience. I must become am. So, um, and this is, can get a little deeper here, but that's the idea that your identity is the most critical thing. So getting back to the book, mm -hmm. the book shows you how all energy and matter comes together, how your self-identity has come together, how your ego works with that self-identity to validate your experience, good or bad, how the job your ego does is determined at any moment by your state of mind. If you want a litmus test to the job your ego is doing to satisfy your beliefs, Look at your state of mind. If you're at peace in this moment, then you're perfectly aligned with what you want to be aligned with right now. Hmm. And it's a timeless moment. Hmm. If you're stuck in traffic and you've got an appointment to get to, guess what? Your ego is going to have a hard time grappling with that one. And you're going to be in a disharmonious state, antsy, honking, looking over, trying to look around the car in front of you to see how far the line is. Will I get home, et cetera. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then the way that you reconcile that or don't reconcile that in your mind turns into emotion. Mm -hmm. and that could be positive emotion because you've been overvalidated. You know, you hit a scratcher at the gas station for a thousand dollars. You know, your emotions going to shift a little bit because, Oh, I'm a little bit yeah. more wealthy than I was yesterday. That's right. uh, or someone breaks up with you. Suddenly you're going to be in a negative state. So that that's the emotions. Yeah. Um, and then it goes into a little, I won't say a tangent, but a little bit of a, 
how emotions are regulated a lot of time with the problem of addiction. Mm-hmm. How we find a way to regulate that that negative state of mind. And then it goes into more of how you overcome fear, how you learn to love who you are more, and how you change that core identity within yourself. Mm-hmm. And once you have that change, the book changes to part four, which shows you, okay, now that you are this renewed version, now that you understand yourself more than you ever have, now let's talk about how you create. And the last part of I Am, the last five chapters, is about that creative process. But the creative process is no good. So people that like to skip to the end, it's a waste of time because right. it's no good without the fundamental understanding yeah. of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That makes sense? It does. So that's, that's the, I know there's a picture in the back, but you know, this is what the book looks like. So yeah, yeah I got mine. Got mine right here. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, I like that. I'm curious your thoughts are on people they're listening. They're saying, this all sounds good. I like it. One of the things I'm struggling with is I notice that I regularly get into a, a negative emotional state, right? Okay. More than they, more than they like to, right? So maybe give us a few tips for people. Okay. You're in that. How do we start to shift? How do we start to release some of that? Okay. So first I want to talk about language. Mm-hmm. Language reveals truth. Mm-hmm. You just used a present tense to describe that. Mm-hmm. I always get into this state and I'm in this state right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> I like on anything you don't want using past tenses. So I've been in a negative state and I've been getting negative in my mind. At least it clears the moment, which can't be caught anyways, because by the time you try, you're in the next one. Mm-hmm. At least it opens up the moment to a new possibility. So watch your tenses on things you don't want to create anymore, because that's a sneaky way the ego tries to hold on in the moment. I always get angry. Okay, there it is. It's, it's, it knows you're about to change versus I've gotten angry in the past a lot. Right. It so separates cool. it and creates new space. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what you want, you want a present tense. Right. With I am statement. Right. I am becoming peaceful. Yeah. You, you want to use present tense on that. Yeah. Um, so if someone's been in a negative state, I would ask them who they want to be now. Mm. and whether or not when a thought comes up that begins to take you down a negative path, ask yourself two questions. Is that thought true with what I now know about myself and what I'm learning about self-awareness and and the person that I am and that everybody's doing the best they can? Is that true in this moment? Mm. 99.99% of the time, it'll be no. And even more importantly, does it serve me? Mm Mm-hmm to embrace that thought if my intention is a positive or a peaceful state. Hmm. This is the work because this is the trench work. This is yeah. where you've got to be mindful and on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and your I, ego's sneaky. It can, yeah. It'll take any crack in the cement. It will, won't it? And I feel like just because of, it's so easy today to just, it's much easier to get distracted. It's much easier to check your email right? You're a little bit negative. Then you go or Instagram or whatever, instead of doing some of this work, isn't it? Right. Just to, it's way easier to go. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. You're hundred percent correct. And I think, you know, discipline reveals the power of your intent hmm. of your will. Mm-hmm. A weak will will distract itself all day long. Just know that I'm not, it's not a judgment. It's just an observation sure. that your will 
to be stronger. So what can you do to increase your will? Well, your will is fueled by your belief in who you are. So work on the belief. And once you realize how powerful you are, yeah. it's like walking into a candy store. Like, which do I want to, you know, which road do I want to go down? This, mm-hmm. And then you jump into the process. You don't think about time. You don't think about the end result. You just think that this is who you are and this is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then the end result takes care of itself. But we're in such a world where you know, everybody wants the wants to plant the seed and eat the fruit in five minutes that, you know, it's like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and I'm so, th- I'm so glad that you talked about the watching the tenses. Um, you know, I do a lot of coaching with people I work with too. And it's one thing we talk about. And I pay a lot of attention myself and my children too, you know, catching my kids as well. Hey, <laughs> uh, but I forgot how much you emphasize that in the book and how good that is, is that in the moment of whatever, anger, frustration, guilt, whatever it might be, or, or even, you know, just replaying a scenario is put it in a past tense rather than present. Right. Because present just yeah. reinforces. I just Exactly. It it's the way the ego tries to grab and reinforce. I, I do want to say that, look, as human beings, we have emotion and we have energy. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to discount someone's frustration when they have it. Like that's real. That's right. not fake. That's not yeah. illusionary. It's it's real. So I want to honor it. But I just want to make sure that once you've had a chance to vent it and just get the energy out of you, mm-hmm. whether a good cry, a run, a jog, some powerful music, something, when you get back to a state that you reestablish who you want to be and work from that moment. You get frustrated, you take a minute where every moment offers you infinite possibility. Mm-hmm. So there's always the opportunity to turn it around. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 you know, I don't want to make people feel bad for being frustrated or angry or having moments. That's normal, but I just want you to be more conscious of it so that you can master it. Cause to master anything, you have to be conscious and aware of what's going on um, rather than drowning in it. Yeah. What do you think about this idea of you're, you're feeling that frustration, anger, whatever it might be. And the minute you actually become aware that you're in that state or you've been in the state up to this point of just allowing the emotion, just to feel the emotion until it passes. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's great. I think resistance is creates time and, and it keeps things alive. When you resist your emotion, people that bottle it up, it festers, it, it creates, it's, it's comes out in all sorts of sideways ways. So I think you're right. You have to, to immediately honor it. And, and that's why I wish more people were taught as, as young kids that emotions are healthy. They're, they're good. Right. You're right. supposed to be able to process when you're not feeling good because it creates depression, anxiety, yeah. a lot of big problems. Well, you in suppress the world that we're, it, right? Yeah. Right. Which, yeah. which we're dealing with in this world. I mean, mental health is a big issue right now. For sure. It is, um, yeah. so, so I think it's healthy to accept it. But really, it's not only accepting the emotion the key to it is accepting what the situation is for the moment. Okay. I didn't get the job. Uh-huh. The faster you can accept that with a faith in who you are, that, that something better will show up, the quicker that that conflict will go away and the quicker yeah. the emotion will yeah. disappear like a cloud. That's so good. Acceptance and then understanding faith that something greater is coming for me. Yeah. Always knowing that life offers infinite possibility and anything is possible. Truly. Yeah. That's a, great mantra to live out of it's a wonderful mantra yeah but but i don't again i don't like just platitudes i like people to know that hey there's truth behind that once you understand that truth and and if you want the truth of that especially where you guys are up in you're in canada right yeah right yeah of course so 
go outside at night and just get a lawn chair and just sit there. Like, you know, when you were a kid and you were looking for shooting stars Yeah. and look at that vastness. It's like the same feeling when you go to the ocean, right? There's the possibilities seem endless because there's such a grandness to what you're looking at. Yeah. And I think that can be healthy as it relates to this idea that life is a constant stream of infinite possibility. Yeah. I think one thing that's valuable too for everybody listening is the idea of when you, maybe you're going through some challenge or you have been up to this point anyways, um, is just remember that always life has worked out up until now for you. It's always worked out, right? It's all, and it's always going to work out. And the sooner we can surrender and accept to that in a way we become free of, we can allow ourselves to experience that emotion, just let it pass. And then I can, who do I want to be now? Right. Who do I want to be now? It's such a beautiful question. I've actually recently started. And of course, a lot of it has stemmed from some of the stuff I've learned through you. But every morning when I'm doing some of my journaling, I always take time to write what I'm grateful for. And I just, I write this question at the top of my page. Who do I want to be today? And it's beautiful. Wow, I just got to get into some wonderful IMs and I just start writing them out. And it's amazing to feel that, to feel, as you said, right? The, you know, your, your, you, your body, I've never heard someone say it that way, but you're, your body tells you truth. You know when you're speaking truth by the way that you feel. I think we could say it the other way too, is that you also know the opposite of truth. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and you recoil on it. Yeah. You do. So to Howard's point, I mean, if you're feeling that negative state and you can become aware that you've been doing that up until now, understand that that's the opposite of truth. And that's why you're feeling that way. Right. Agreed. Is that fair? Same. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it's, that's, that's exactly right. I think that's, uh, it's beautiful. Um, you know, to ask yourself every day, who do I, who do I choose to be now? It's, it's a very, very powerful question. And then when you, when the more, you know what that answer is, then it's the only thing left is great. Go out, let the world test you on that. Mm-hmm. Give your, you know, let's see how you, how you respond and react. Cause that will be the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when you get confronted in reality um, because you know, we, one thing we cannot escape is life. Right. But yeah. when you know how to maneuver it, it becomes, <laughs> it's just hard to put into words. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I, I think I understand what you were saying better earlier too, of even the idea of deciding, okay, who do I want to be? Who am I going to be today? Or who do I want to be now? And maybe you take time to write it, to think it, whatever it might be, to claim it. And then there may show up that test, right? You want to be optimistic today. Maybe that's, I am optimistic. And then something shows up that very well could. It's a beautiful opportunity. Well, you could be in a negative way, I suppose, but maybe it's something that challenges you to really test. Here, be optimistic, mm-hmm. right? Let's be exactly. optimistic. Yeah, I get exactly. Yeah, exactly right. That makes so, a lot of sense. Yeah. And that's that, that's that relationship, that intimate relationship that you're cultivating with life and you're having more trust that things don't happen to you, that they happen for you, that, mm-hmm. that everything is there to help serve you in who you want to be yeah. um, or who you say that you are. One of the two things. And I like to say that life is either doing, yeah, doing one of two things. It's serving what your truth is mm-hmm. or it's filling the gap, giving you the awareness that you need in order to become what you intend. Hmm. And that's where some challenges come in. Hmm. I got two more questions for you. Um, obviously, a big premise of your work and, and the nature of reality is we're creating our moment, our reality moment to moment by 
who I'm deciding to be now, right? That being said, I know a lot of people get so hung up on their past and having their past define them into who they are today, right? So I want to hear from your perspective. What would you say to someone that's struggling with that? Logically, again, they understand, yeah, probably if I started thinking in a different way, if I started to shift a bit of my, those thought patterns, those feelings, things are going to change, but they're still habitually so hung up on life's have been up to this point. Yeah. Have been. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. That's right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> they have been up to this point. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let me ask you, are you the same person you were 20 years ago? No. No. 10 years ago? No. Three months ago? No. A week ago? No. Yeah. How about 50 minutes ago? Right. Yeah. Are you the same person you were 50 minutes ago? No, you grow, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So my point is that your past is exactly what it is. It's a past version of who you are. Mm -hmm. In this moment, you get to define, declare, and demonstrate who you choose to be through the words, I am dot, dot, dot. And that I think is the greatest gift that we're given every day. And that's why my favorite time of the day is sunrise. Cause when that sun cracks the horizon, it's like infinite possibilities of a new, what can it be today? What's going to, what's going to unfold? Who do I, who do I want to be? What's going to, what's life going to show me what, you know, this great treasure hunt we're on this great journey. You know, that's the perspective I would love to imbue into everybody listening to take it from that. Now, if there has been some, some things that have happened in the past that have been negative and bad, or they've done things in the whatever, just know that this is not about shucking responsibility for who you've been mm. and what's happened and what you've done, mm. but it's also understanding that you have the, you have the power to define yourself anew today and disconnect yourself, you know, and you're, and you're feeling from that past. If you say I am guilty or shameful or regretful from any past, you're poisoning this moment. Hmm. But if you say I have been guilty and I have been shameful, but Guilt, shame, and regret serve zero purpose as it relates to personal evolution. Mm-hmm. Please know this is not a disconnect of responsibility or condoning anything. Mm-hmm. But when you want to be the best version of yourself, you have to start fresh and new with who you are today. But you also have to honor that other people in your life, based on things that have happened, are going to treat you with that memory. So just be aware of that. Don't be angry because you declared you're a new person that everybody else should. Be <laughs> mindful that they're going to still attach that to you until it fades. One of the great examples that I love to use in pop culture is uh, the example of Robert Downey Jr. When I was a kid, Robert Downey Jr. was thrown out of Hollywood. He was on drugs. He was in all sorts of trouble, arrested in jail, was never going to work again. That's who he was from my childhood. Sure. You ask the generation today who Robert Downey Jr. is, he's like, he's Iron Man. He's the coolest, funnest, highest paid actor in the world. You know what I mean? It's a great example of someone unhooking their past and creating an entirely new reality for themselves. And some old people, you know, older people that are negative will still want to hang out to that, but that's going to be anywhere, but he hasn't. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's what I would say to that question. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We are not our past. We are not our past. And I hadn't thought about what you just said until right now, how others around you, may still hang on to that. Yeah. But to your point, normal, normal. And the fact you're not what somebody else says about you anyways, if you don't let it affect you, if you have a strong enough sense of who you are and you understand that that's what they're doing for their own survival. Sure. Like, you know, like a dog that, okay. Like a dog that was abused that you, 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 you get from the shelter and you go to pet it and it shies away. Right. 
even though you're a great person, right? it's shine because it's been conditioned by a past experience with somebody doing yep. that. Yep. So that's what people's memories do. So as long as you understand that and you're gentle with it and you don't force them and you just keep being who you are, eventually they will tune to the new version. Hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. My last question for you is actually circling back to the beginning of our conversation. Um, you're asking deep questions. You throw your hands up and say, show, show me the way for lack of a better term. Um, I, I want to hear your perspective on, for everybody listening, they like the idea. Maybe they want to start looking for some deeper truths of life. Where can they begin? What, what's the next step for them? It, everyone's on a different path, different stages of their journey, I understand. But what would you say to that? You know why I'm smiling? Because <laughs> they already have started. Because <laughs> they're here now. So basically, anybody listening to this has already asked like millions of human beings, you know, thousands of questions. This is just one of those more upfront and personal moments, you know, which I'm just grateful to be a bridge in the middle of, or we're a bridge in the middle of this right now, you know, just delivering this piece of insight and awareness. But what I would say is keep your mind open, believe in who you are and what your worth is beyond what you ever believed before, not because you're better than anyone, but just because you are perfect in your own way f- for the abundance that life can offer you. And you're open to learning and understanding more of that. And then whatever, re- you know, you don't have to do things that don't interest you, but whatever resonates with you and you like what someone's delivering, it's like, you know what? I want to put more of that in my life, you know, mm. and, and just feed yourself until you're satiated and then move to the next level of interest. But, mm. but, but the more you can do it from a place of, self-love, appreciation, a lack of personal judgment, the more you'll do that for the world. You won't judge the world. You won't judge other people. You'll just understand everybody's on their own path. Not saying you condone certain behaviors in the world. And we have systems in place to take care of that, to protect the society, justice system, whatever. But, but you're, you're just going to feed yourself with positive insight, information, and a strong intent for what you dream about to come true with the will to go through whatever you have to, to create it. Hmm. And some people will opt out at certain points, but you know what? I realized that takes more than I'm willing to give. And so I'm going to go this route and that's okay too. You can, there's a lot of forks in the road, you know, Hmm. but that's the, that's the daily mantra. It's just to continue to go into each day with, with unbridled optimism about who you are and what's possible and what you deserve. The deserve piece is huge because that's the one that has to be any negativity has to be rooted out of the self-identity. Amazing. This was fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Um, everybody, if you don't have it already, get a copy of, of Howard's book. I am discovering who you really are. So good. I'm just, like I said, I'm going to get your next one right after this. I'm excited to read that. Uh, I think is your website. That's probably one of the best places people that want to connect with you more. Yeah. Um, howardfalco.com is the website. Um, I also have for sports, it's totalmindsports.com. And then of course I'm on all the social, um, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I even have a TikTok where I put out some positive vibes on TikTok. Cool. Um, just little, little one minute speeches on yeah. different topics. So yeah, you can connect with me there or on, or on my website and the book is on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Both of them and and time in a bottle, which is the second book. Time in a bottle. Okay. Awesome. 
Well, thank you for the time today. It's been great. Uh, My honor. So great. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Ben. Yeah, everybody. Hey, uh, connect with Howard. Follow him on social media. Connect with him there. I know you like this episode. Please share it with somebody. I'm sure there's someone else that maybe they don't even know that they're they're looking for this yet, but you send it to them right time, right place. Howard said earlier, there's no such thing as coincidence. So that person that just popped into your mind, that's not an accident, right? There's a reason they popped into your mind, right? They, they, they want to hear this too. And uh, follow me on social media as well, at Ben Spangle, B-E-N-S-P-A-N-G-L for Instagram there. Looking forward to bringing you more and more incredible guests like Howard. Howard, again, thanks so much. This is fun. I know you're doing this out out of a place of love, out of a place to serve, and just want you to know that you're doing an unbelievable job. And I know Mm. that you're you're helping a lot of people. You've helped my life in a big way. And I know this. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's really, really nice, and appreciate all you're doing, Ben. Thank you. See you guys soon. Bye, everyone.